Welcome to the podcast. We're street smart, business smart, all kinds of smart people share their insights into the world of marketing, career journeys, and personal growth. So sit back and prepare to get enlightened with your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. My guest today, Brandon Steiner, is a true legend, and I can't tell you how thrilled I am to have him on the show today. Steiner Sports was part of my childhood. As a staple in Roosevelt Field Mall, I would spend hours while my mom shopped. She would literally drop me off there, and I would just, just be mesmerized by all the, all the memorabilia. And as an avid like Islander fan and Met fan, I know, Brandon, you're a Yankee fan, and we'll talk about playoffs uh, in a little bit. Um, but I would wait hours in line for autographs, and I have very vivid childhood memories of that. And for those of you that are unfamiliar, Brandon Steiner is the founder and chairman of Steiner Sports Marketing and Memorabilia, the largest company of its kind in America. And in addition to Steiner Sports, he is a premier global motivational and inspirational speaker and featured in basically every relevant publication, TV, and radio. And he is the author of three amazing books around how to live life on purpose, sports, and his life going up in Brooklyn, my place of birth as well. And we'll talk about that and a whole lot more. Brandon Steiner, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Well, Adam, thanks for having me. And uh, first, I got to just jump in here and, and not, not to burst into your intro. But, you know, I've left Steiner Sports. And um, I haven't done any interviews uh, since I've left because I'm very soon going to be launching a new company, which is going to be very exciting, to Can't say wait. the least. And uh, it's never too late to uh, do something even better than what you were doing, even though, you know, what I accomplished at Steiner over 30 years and starting and building that company was way beyond anything I ever dreamt of. And then I decided to start dreaming again. And I started dreaming of some other stuff that I think would be more relevant and, and problem solving for uh, some of my customers and some of the players I was dealing with. And that's what I'm going to be announcing in November wow. of 2019. That's so exciting. it's exciting. And you're the first person I'm having a conversation with that I feel really honored. talks about this. But uh, thanks for having me on. You know, I, I love pods and uh, love what you're doing on yours. So, you know, I'm an open book. Ask me anything. And I, I'll try to, you know, give a little little direction and some insight of what, yeah. what things on my head. We're going, to, we're going to circle back on that because I'm very curious to hear about your mindset, you know, after 30 years of building a business. I mean, that's what I'm doing now. I'm only two years into my business. And I, I see like I see a lot of things in, in your passion where I could be, you know, when I when I get to your age in life and my kids are older, too, and just being proud of something I built. So we're going to talk about legacy and all that in a little bit. And that's something I really admire about you, uh, Mr. Steiner. But first, let's take it back to the beginning. Brooklyn, New York. Where, where were you born in Brooklyn? Kings Highway 539. Uh you know, Flatbush, um, an interesting neighborhood, you know, a lot of Syrian Jews, Italians, and a little cross-section of everything. Um, not a bad neighborhood, probably the poorest, no question, person in that neighborhood, <clears throat> you know, middle-income uh, neighborhood at the time. It's definitely gone up, actually up a couple notches since I've left. Uh, but, you know, uh, you know, right near the L, uh, I lived over at Glockosha Butcher Store, so I was very familiar with the traffic flow in Kings right. Highway. And anybody who was walking on the street was right below my window. 
I, I know it well. I was born in Sheepshead Bay. I lived on Nap between V and W, right? Uh, not too far away from there. And I and I moved when I was yeah. when I was twelve. So you know, I played, cross that, Bay. I played Kings uh, Kings Bay football. Right, and I was at, I was at Amity right across the street. Uh, you know, playing playing baseball, and it's so interesting too because I have this debate with people all the time when they say they're from Brooklyn, right? They say they're from Brooklyn, but they were born there, and they, you know, their parents moved out like a, a week later. But how would you say, you know? What was that key influence of Brooklyn? Like growing up in Brooklyn, how did, how, looking back on it now, how did that shape your life? Well, I, I don't think Brooklyn's an influence. I mean, it's, it's a life choice. I mean, that's not a, a and, and I think a lot of where you live has a major impact. You know, where you live and grow up has a major impact in who you are as an adult and as a person. I, I don't think there's any question that, you know, somebody who's born on a farm or in the middle of, Iowa or the middle of you're born in Beverly Hills isn't going to have a major impact on the way you think and look at things. The thing that was interesting about Brooklyn is, is just the multiple, multitude of crazy, just the amount of stuff that goes on, you know, within a few blocks because there's just so many people. I mean, Brooklyn is the fourth largest city in the country. And, and, it, you know, you just go from one neighborhood to the other with just, you know, mounds and mounds of people. And I think the most important lesson I think you learn when you're living in such a mass, uh, you know, place with so many masses is, is, isn't about people liking you, you liking people, but it is about, it is about teaching you how to understand people and understand that not everybody's, not everybody's the same and not everybody thinks the same. And you get, you have to learn to respect people that are not like you. You have to learn to respect people that look and dress and think differently than you. 100%. And I mean, I think we could all use a lot more of that in this country right now. But, you know, Brooklyn is like, you don't have any choice. You know, you don't want to be running around uh, not understanding what neighborhood you're in and, and the thinking that's going on in that neighborhood because you could end up in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and in those days, you know, you can end up in a lot of trouble in your classroom because you'd have a Spanish brother next to you, somebody of color next to you, you know, a, a, a very religious Jew in front of you. And then you know, a born again Christian behind you. And, and that wouldn't be unusual. And uh, so, you know, the private school thing wasn't as big a deal. So you really, right from the get go, needed to understand and get along. Absolutely. And I, and I preach that all the time. I mean, I think Brooklyn gave me that, that mindset where I'm open to everybody and, and different personalities and different cultures and certainly shaped me as well. So you talk a lot about your mother being your inspiration. And I, and I love that. And her motto was, you got to have balls. And you actually titled um, your last book about that. What was she referencing when she said that? Well, you know, my, my mom was a great businesswoman, probably ahead of her time. Um, there, were, there was no boundaries with her. And this is back in the 60s when women were not anything but secretaries and nurses. Um, and housewives and, and my mother owned businesses, auto parts and gotta have balls was about being fearless, uh, taking things all the way, not being afraid to go out, of, you know, going outside the lines, taking things to a, a place that maybe even people aren't comfortable with in your business. And um, it was also understanding that, you know, in business, you need empathy mm -hmm. and having balls meant, you know, if it meant, doing something just because it was the right thing, even though it wasn't best for you, that was okay too. Um, so it was a lot, a lot of life lessons. And, you know, my mother, my relationship with my mom was unusual because single parent and, you know, three, three boys and, you know, it was tough. Um, not a lot of support, not a lot of help. So our relationship was mostly business. It was survival. It was figuring out, you know, the hustle, uh, the, the, you know, scheming and figuring out how to make money at an early age. So, 
Um, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I love business, love understanding business of all different industries. And when I speak around the country, there's nothing more fun than going to speak to a group uh, that, you know, of, of industry or business that I know nothing about and research and find out because the underlying theory on, with business is that almost all businesses are very much alike. Uh, the, the things that businesses that, uh, that thrives in a business are very similar. Uh, and yet, you know, the exterior part of it, just like we're all basically alike, you know, we have our organs, brain, heart, you know, liver, but yet, you know, exteriorly we're all unique and different individuals. And I think that, you know, when you understand how your body works, you understand, you know, that we're all working with the same body. Uh, we're going to leave this planet right. with, you know, the same way, you know, that's what makes us all equal. Exactly. However, ex exterior, you know, from an exterior standpoint, we have some different beliefs and we have some different values and understanding those. And I think that's what's fun about business. So similar uh, to life. Yeah, absolutely. And let's continue the theme with family. You know, I, I have two young ones at home and, you know, you talk about the, the pride that you have for a family and, and I can't even imagine how that grows as they get older. And you talk a lot about giving importance, you know, equally to feed a family as well as having fun and finding, you know, those teachable moments early on. So what advice would you give me, you know, as a, as a young dad to really ensure that I'm building and finding those teachable moments for my two children? Well, I mean, you know, I, I think parent, first thing is that, you know, understanding that, you know, a lot of people think they've got a really hard job and they work really hard and, and they make a lot of money, but there is no harder job than parenting. That's number one. Number two, there is nobody more important than the mom. And mom has to be, you know, we're given the utmost support and respect at all times because they're always going to have the most amount of impact uh, in this planet on, on kids. There's nothing like a mother. And uh, I think fathers can play a very vital role, but, you know, it's really important that as a, as a dad, particularly that you don't uh, become a spectator in parenting. Uh, a lot of times, because the moms are, are, moms are moms, but supporting the mom is another way of parenting. And then obviously you have your weigh-ins and you have your impact on your children. Um, I think for us, we, we, we were, I ran a very, very simple, and we, I talked a lot about it, which most people don't talk a lot about parenting, it's such a tough subject. But if I said to you, Adam, there's a conference to learn how to do these pods a lot better, you jump on a plane and go. If I, there was a conference to do something where you can make more money, you'd go. But most people aren't gonna go to a conference to learn how to parent better. No. Uh, most, most people I know never have done that or even read a book about that. Yet, if I said to you, what's the most important thing in your life, you'd probably say your kids and your family, yet you do nothing to really grow that part of your success to learn what maybe you're missing or what you're not thinking. And then God forbid somebody gives you some feedback about parenting, like one of your neighbors and you get all defensive, you don't right. want to hear. And surely you're not going to hear it from your own parents who probably know the situation better because they've experienced it. And frankly, you probably get good feedback from them, but you don't want to hear from them either. And, I, and then there's this underlying theory where you don't want to parent exactly the way you've been parented. No. Although that's what you end up doing anyway. It's in funny. A lot of ways. Yeah, I look back, I look back right now, I look back and like I, I have moments with my children and I literally feel like I'm looking into a mirror at my dad, the way, you know, he raised me, the way I treat my kids, the way I nurture them. And it's absolutely incredible. So shifting onto relationships. In fact, I saw your email this morning about relationships. So it's a, yeah. a nice transition here. And for me, my success, my career, my life professionally and personally is built on relationships. My network is my net worth. Relationships are everything to me and I value them more than gold. So let's talk about your relationship, personal, professional relationship with the best closer in baseball, uh, Mariano Rivera. 
what are some of the keys specifically in that relationship to maintaining it, to growing it, to having a mutually beneficial relationship with him? Well, first, if you want to get the tips, you know, you mentioned the, the uh, thing you read this morning. That's my blog of brandonstar.com. Just, just go there and you'll get the I'll link everybody to flaws and negotiating and all that. And then, you know, the parenting thing is probably the most popular chapter in my last book, believe it or not, because it's, I don't tell you what to do, but I showed you what I did to try to become a better father. So I, I think it's my favorite chapter, but um, I think, you know, get, you know, back to the Mariano thing, one of the chapters, I wrote a couple of stories about Mariano, but I think if you want to have a good friend, you got to be a good friend. If you want to have a good relationship, well, you know, you got to, you got to, you got to put something into that and, and you got to do that in a way that doesn't always pay back anything. And I think that that's a lot of times now, I always say you have your weekend friends and then you have your weekday friends and there's your business relationships that you're, you're horse trading with and you do this and they do that. And, but I think when you want to have a really good relationship, you got to go outside those boundaries. And most importantly, you got to share information. And, and, and that's something that's getting harder and harder. I right. see with your ones because so much communication is via text or in all the social media platforms. And it's important to break out of that so that you can talk about how you feel or you can talk about, some problems you're having because being open if you want to have a real relationship i mean you got to be able to share some of the intimacy and some of those things so with mariano i'll give you an example a quick story um he calls me up one day and he says you got to get over to the house you, you need to come here immediately so at my office was, was you know 15 minutes from his house i run over there and i knocked on the door i was with two interns and the interns had something for him to sign and do and he's like uh, i'll do that on the porch the interns can't come in so i go in the house and and He's very upset. And this is right after he'd gotten the uh, knee injury when he was shagging the fly balls. And he had been uh, doing serious rehab. Right. And the guy looked phenomenal. And he sits down and goes, Brand, I got really bad news today. I said, what? I mean, could it be worse than your ACL being torn? He goes, yeah, they want to operate. I said, that's bad news. I mean, you tore your ACL, of course. And he said, well, I thought I was going to come back and help my team in September. And I can actually push off this leg pretty good. I said, well, what is it that you can't do? Is why I can't move side to side. Mariano, you need surgery when you tear your ACL. There is no way to avoid it. So he goes, I'm just disappointed. I just didn't think I was going to let my teammates down. And I've been rehabbing, which is what you do when you tear your ACL, if you can. You rehab because it makes the uh, surgery a lot simpler and easier. Right. It makes it stronger. So I sit down with him. I say, you know, you're at the tail end of your career, Mariano, and you're a God-fearing man. And you have told me for the last two years you want to retire. You think you've had it. Don't you think that God actually heard your call? And instead of ending your career, he put it on a pause. And he gave you an opportunity to now see what it's like to relax. See what it's like in regular life. You're now home for the whole summer. Not focused on traveling, playing baseball. You can see what your family is like. You can meet the mailman, go shopping, cut your grass. <laughs> I think that in the end of the day, I think this has been a blessing, although I know you're really disappointed about your teammates and not being able to play, but think about what perspective that God sent down for you so you can now get your surgery and then decide and, and really enjoy if they're going to continue playing instead of complaining and saying, I think my career should be over. I really want to spend time with my family. You can leave this game on your terms. And, uh, well, he said, thank you. And they kicked me out of his house. But, um, but, you know, but, you know, I think that God sometimes will give us what uh, we need, not always what we want. And I, I think it's really important that, that I, and I talk 
I, you know, I, I, I talk to a lot of groups and I tell them that it's really important to understand that life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. And sometimes some of the worst things that happen end up being lead to the best things. I, and I could, uh, I could most that things that are good start with something bad. I could, I could, I get a hundred percent attest that. So let's, let's go back to the, to, to your early days before Steiner and you started in PR with restaurants. And from what you said, you thoroughly enjoyed it. Do you think starting in PR gave you that edge over other entrepreneurs? Cause it gave you the opportunity to connect with clients on a different personal level. And you were able to apply that type of thinking when you morphed into your own business. I think, you know, one of my big strategies when, when I was booking talent, which I'm still doing to this day, which is, you know, athlete procurement and finding, uh, companies that need help to grow and they use athletes to help them do that. I think the public relations thing was a natural for me. I really love that business. And by working with that industry, because that's when I started Steiner was a PR firm, I understood how hard it is to convince a writer or a journalist to do a story on your topic. So it gave me a distinct edge when I would pitch PR firms to use me for the talent acquisition. I understood how hard it could be uh, to, to, work with the talent and then get the hits and get the talent to cooperate. So I, I learned how to pitch that. And that's very much how I made my living the first eight or 10 years at Steiner. But the other thing that's important is that at Syracuse where I went to school and this is why like, everything matters. I mean, I never knew I, I, in those days, you know, usually white people didn't live with black people. So my roommate was black. He was a, he was a football player for Syracuse, right. which is very random, frankly, um, uh, to say the least. Uh, but, that's even where I got an incredible experience too, because listen, I'm white and I'm not going to sit there pretend to understand what it's like to be black, but to live with a Especially black person, then. not alone a black athlete. And then here I am, you know, a bunch of years later now working with minority athletes, you know, I certainly had a better feel for how to communicate and talk exactly. and understand. And that was a blessing in itself too. And, and cause you know, one minute you're in a, in a corporate talking to a VP or a CMO and the next minute you're talking to, you know, an athlete that maybe has got one or two years of college education, if you're lucky. Yep. And you've got to be able to be dynamic on both sides. You have to be a chameleon. I feel you like have to God, the good shoot. Lord was very uh, generous to me to be able to have both that, you know, both of that, you know, that, that have both those conversations. Life happens for you. I mean, you, you absolutely said it before. So you, Steiner Sports started, you know, Steiner started as a, as a PR. And, and when was that shift into the, the you know, the, the memorabilia phase and really aligning with the athletes and that kind of monetization? Probably 96, 95, 96, you know, I'd signed Phil Rizzuto and, and Mark Messier was my first collectible contract. And Phil Rizzuto just got in the Hall of Fame. He was 77. And frankly, he couldn't do a lot. He was older and he didn't want to do a lot, but mm. we did plenty. And then a lot of those calls that came in, I was able to convert into other players. And that kind of really got my marketing business going. Mark, Mark winning the Stanley Cup in 94. Been a long time. I had no idea, but that was, a you know, we ne nobody was doing hockey collectibles, let alone that. So that's kind of where I got started, and, and I found a huge pocket of very loyal fans, which is, you know, hockey fans and Ranger fans oh, yeah. in New York are very loyal. And Mark was just, you know, a god in, in, in his town and, he, and also incredibly. a tremendous person to work with. I mean, he was just a quality, quality person that was an incredible hockey player as well. So I was very lucky in that regard because in so many ways he would help me do a lot of things that maybe a lot of players wouldn't normally have done. Yeah, I've heard great, I mean, I said it before, I'm, I'm a diehard born and raised Islander fan. And even for an Islander fan, we had to look at, like, at Graves, at Messier and Richter and look at those guys and just be like, wow, what they're doing for the city right now. Um, is it, didn't, did, the Yan, didn't the Yankees, did the Yankees win in 94 also? Wasn't that the year the Yankees won also? We had both teams. 
94 was, I think, the strike year. 95, you know, they lost in that crazy playoff with Seattle. And then 96, everything started rocking. Right, e- exactly. So going back to, to, to your days with Stein, and we'll talk about that, that transition, the next season in your life, as I like to call it, you're going into a new season of your life, Brandon. What, what's one of your favorite memories of Steiner Sports? I mean, you've interacted with so many athletes and personalities, but, but give us an example. What is, what is one of your fondest memories? I love oh, sports boy. stories. There's so many. I mean, <laughs> um, I mean, there's so many. I, I, you know, one of my fondest memories was even when uh, I was, I, you know, I was trying to get into American Express. And this is important for the people listening because sometimes this stuff does not work and, and persistence is important. And I was trying to get into Amex Reward Program. And I literally had a small little collectible company at that point. Nobody had ever heard of Stein or anything like it. And I was calling this guy, Ted Dargan, at Amex probably for about eight months. Can you imagine calling somebody for eight months? I mean, religiously, <laughs> I've been not there. a callback, nothing. And if one day I called this buddy of mine who was at Amex, and I said, do you know this guy, Ted Dargan? Because I really think my product would be good in Amex Rewards. And at the time, they only had, um, you know, airlines, hotels, and I think there was a gift card for Saks. That was right. it. So I don't know why I thought in my delusional mind that I could be in rewards with Steiner, who no, you know, one even heard of, let alone collectibles. But I convinced this guy to come up to my office. And my office at the time was 2,000 square feet. That included the warehouse. It was all in. Yeah. I was sharing an office with two people that maybe the office was 300 square feet. I mean, you know, it was crazy. Boxes everywhere. And the guy comes up and, and he really not a sports fan. And he looks at me. I go, listen, you know, we're working this out. We may move to bigger space. And he turns to me and goes, no, no, this is perfect. This is exactly what a reward program is supposed to be. Give people rewards of something that they can't get on their own. Right. And we opened up that account. And that was the beginning of really building my brand because he gave me a full page in his catalog, put me in every Amex statement. And Amex is such a big brand. I forgot that you used to have the rewards catalog. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, it's like, first of all, people have forgotten. And a lot of the companies have forgotten what a real reward program is. It's to give people something they normally can't get. And now it just becomes really common gifts that almost anybody can get it's like almost like a bonus and there's a difference between a bonus and a reward so when i reward my customers i always try to do something that i know they can't do regardless how much money or little money you have and also i think it's important and i'd say this to you adam is like if you're building your brand you know you can't play small you got to think of phenomenal brands to co-brand with because you are guilty or not you know by your association and you want to associate with great brands and for me at Steiner, when I was building that brand, I was, you know, the Yankees, Mickey Mantle. Um, you know, when you think about Omnicom that had bought me, those are all big, really good brands. Right. And then you become much bigger and you, you start playing bigger. So it's really important that you're not associated with people not on your level, but, you know, brands that are bigger than your level so they can take you with them. Absolutely. Omnicom was my first client when I went out on my own. Good, good yeah. point over there. So I've been wanting to ask you this question for a long time. My, my, my most prized piece of memorabilia, and I have a small collection, my most prized piece of memorabilia are my Shea Stadium seats. And I remember when yeah. I bought them because I go to my dad and I wasn't making a ton of money at the time and they weren't that cheap. And I go, dad, I really want these, these seats. And he asked how much they are. And I told him and he's like, well, could you afford it? I'm like, well, not really. And he goes, well, you regret not buying them. And I go, yes. And he goes, well, there, well, there's your answer. And those seats have traveled with me from my apartment to my house in the city. And I look at them and it, evokes memories of Shea Stadium where I grew up loving the Mets. What is your most prized piece of memorabilia? Well, I got my Shea Stadium seats too, by the way. 
and my Yankee ones. I bet, and Giant I'm Stadium, too, I'm sure. I love those. And, um, I mean, I've got so many prized possessions because, you know, it's really more the personal stuff that I right. may have come up with that initiated something that ended up being really cool for the customers because I realized how much fun it made or how much it made me feel. So those are the things I really pride, you know, like even when I came up with the dirt or when, when I took a broken hockey stick and turned it into an ice scraper yeah. and we were ready to throw out <laughs> those hockey sticks. Um, you know, I love that, but you know, my, you know, to be honest, I, um, you know, my Thurman Munson autograph from 75 is probably one of my favorites. It was like my first autograph that I ever got in Fenway Park. Uh, I got out to Sheridan Hotel when Thurman came into the elevator and I, I met him. And uh, showing my Mark Messier photo that initiated my collectible company. We signed a picture from holding the it's cup. And did it. And that was the thing that really kicked off uh, Steiner because it was, it's the whole Steiner theme was about memories that matter. And I think people really have taken on to that. People never really thought about what they were signing. They would just have an athlete or a celebrity sign something. And I was like, no, 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 no. Athletes and celebrities should sign memories that right. matter. And so you have the memory that matters. And then the, uh, the autograph is like the icing on the cake. And that's really how I built Steiner with that theory. I would take moments and recreate them uh, through photos, through actually taking the physical equipment that was in the photos. And I'd reset those into by replicating them and having the players sign them so you had a piece of the history and remind you of that memory. Absolutely. You hit on something earlier I want to go back to is customer service, customer experience, um, and loyalty. You know, I, I feel like there's some companies that are doing it well these days, and I feel that, you know, we're, we're losing a little bit of, of touch in that, in that in this digital disconnect world. But what are some companies, you know, you're, you're still an astute student of, of marketing and, and modern media. What companies, in your opinion, are doing it well these days? It's a good question. Not as many as that should, uh, because what happens in business and what's kind of happening now with the online press is you get caught up in price, quality, and service, and people can shop you well. So price has now become a big issue because I know that, you know, I know a lot more what things cost. I know what the competitors are charging. So the question is quality or service. You can only do two out of the three. So you have price, quality, service. You can only do two out of the three. And price has now become extremely relevant. Are you going to be a quality company or a service company? Because you can't do all three. Uh, now, now, Amazon has done a really, really good job. Can they maintain it? And is the service really that good? Uh, you certainly don't get a lot of people on the phone you know, and doing that. So, you know, that's questionable. Um, I think there's, I, you know, I, I think that Four Seasons, you know, Four Seasons does a good job. I, I like what they've done. You know, um, I think it's really clear uh, when you go there what you're going to get. It's a little expensive, but you know it, and then you know what you're getting quality, and you know you're getting service like up, you know, up the kazoo. Um, I'm a big fan of that. Um, I like what BMW has done and Mercedes. Mm -hmm. They've 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 now, particularly BMW. I think Mercedes is a little too wide with too many cars, too many things that aren't matched up to the what got Mercedes to the dance to begin with. Totally. Um, and I tell you, a company that's doing a really good job that I think maybe is leading the way. Is probably Delta. Um, hmm, you know, they've really now lift. They've now lifted themselves so far away from the pack, and I think now when you fly Delta, I think you're getting uh, an extraordinary experience. And I think it's just far better than the others. And oh, that's clear. interesting. So let's let's talk about some current events right now. Um, transitioning away from the Steiner Sports era of your life. Um, I, I, I that's your heart. That's your passion. That's what you built. You know your your business on. How does, how does that feel for you, you know, transitioning into this next venture? 
You know, how, how are you dealing with that emotionally, you know, letting go and moving on from something that you put so much heart and soul into? Well, you know, first I'm, I'm, I'm very proud and, and, and internally I know that this all happens for a reason uh, because I, I think there's a calling for something much more than what I was able to do at Steiner. I love that company, obviously I built it and probably the industry as well. But I think that, you know, for, for the most important thing, which was the fans, customers and, and the players, I don't think I was delivering enough for them. Um, and, and, and hopefully in the new venture that I'm going to create, I'll be able to do that. It's hurtful. You know, it's painful when you walk away from something that you're so used to. Um, even if it's drinking a Diet Coke every day and then you decide to stop drinking Diet Coke, you know, you go through that phase. Um, you know, it's just, it's painful and, and it's scary because, you know, you know what you know. But also for me, I've always not been afraid of that. I've not been afraid of the uncomfortable. Um, a problem with maybe Steiner is I probably got way too comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, I got, you know, kind of too comfortable with uh, some of the status quo that I, I created and not enough going out there on a limb, not enough doing things for fans that I had done throughout the years that would blow them away. And that's really what I enjoy the most is, is blowing customers away with the, the next new innovative thing that, you know, that makes their day. So, you know, it's, you know, to do this and I, I just want to, I don't want to make it into anything less or more than what it is, but you know, it is a scary proposition. Uh, and I've always said, you know, being a, a serial entrepreneur in general isn't always a happy, looks all happy. But if you talk to anybody that's really been, really into the entrepreneurial phase and not just in business, but in anything, right. you have a lot of dark moments, you have moments and you know, I have moments where I'm crying because I'm in, I'm in that much pain because I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, and I, that's not happening for me fast enough. Um, there are days when I, I barely can remember anything other than happening than the thought process. And I walk away from those days, Adam with zero. And, and some people, you know, that would, you know, that those are things that can break you. Right. Uh, so I've gotten really used to that, but that's what the, the mindset is. It's I'm digging down deep into really understanding what I want to accomplish in this next phase. As I'm getting older, I want it to be meaningful and significant. And I want to be able to use the, the, the platform that I built to, to springboard this next thing off so that I can even do bigger and better. And I, obviously you worry, you know, I don't want to disappoint customers and fans. Well, that, that, that Brandon is just years and years of experience and knowing yourself and knowing your, your strengths and your weaknesses, but also that I mean, comes if I out. told you you can run your gamut for 30 years right now <laughs> and have fans really appreciate and love what you're doing. I mean, you sign up that in a minute. In a, I didn't think I'd be around for 30 minutes. So to have so many fans and customers support what I have been doing for 30 years is, I mean, it pinched me. It's a blessing. And, and this is something I'm trying to get across to my tribe too. There's so many youngsters out there that are going for instant gratification and, and short-term transactional relationships. And I keep preaching to everyone. I'm like, long-term relationships, put the time in, put the, put the work in. Um, your 27-year-old son said something recently that kind of hit me. And it said, he quote, I quote him, don't meet people who do exactly what you do. How, did, how does that translate to the real world? I mean, a lot of I us mean, are always surrounded by people that all way, like if it. You, it's, yeah. If you want to... If you want to get on a road to mediocrity, hang out with the people that do what you do. And that's what most people do. They hang out with the people in their industry, their business, and there's just no way to learn. So, you know, what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, 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 it's, and I think, that, you know, you got to change your flock up. You got to hang out with different people. 
yeah. uh, that think differently. And, and, you know, now these days they call masterminds, you know, there's masterminds that are, and you don't want to, you want to go on masterminds that have diverse groups of people, ages and also different businesses and different perspectives. That's what, that's what I've been doing. You know, at 50, I changed my flock. I joined a couple of masterminds that were not easy to get into and really made a whole bunch of new friends, which is not easy at 50 to make new friends. It's not easy to make friends in general, but definitely as you get older, it gets harder. But I think it's really important to constantly try to make new friends, not just the friends you've made because your kids, friends, parents, it's just easy to hang out. And it's, it's a trap that a lot of people fall into. They just hang out with the people at work or they hang out with the people the that circle. are in the neighborhood. But you've got to go hang out with people of all different professions because, again, a lot of business the inner workings are the same, but you can get a different perspective. And I hang out with a lot of doctors, lawyers, surgeons, and it's completely different businesses, but you'd be surprised what you can learn. So speaking of learning new things, I saw in a recent post that you've tried your luck with boxing. How's that going? Uh, it's interesting. You know, I realize how hard boxing is because you're in business and in most sports, you make one mistake and you get back up and do it again. You make one mistake in boxing and you're not getting back up. <laughs> getting knocked but, out. Uh, I'm not in the ring fighting, but I am in the ring training. and. Uh, I like it. It's been different. I'm trying some new things. Um, uh, I'm trying some new hobbies and trying to mix it up a little bit. Um, but I like the boxing. I, I think the strategy and it is also another uh, sport that so equates to business uh, as far as, you know, being balanced and making sure you know, your, your fundamentals are right. It's, it's the same thing in business. Like you got to, it's, it, listen, you want to move quick. You want to have an overnight sensation. Yeah, Go for it. But, you're still going to need balance. You still have to have the fundamental stuff, the hiring, the firing, the cash flow, the financing. Um, all those things are really come a lot more with experience. It's tough to get capture all that overnight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you said recently, quote, shit is what you make of it. If someone is giving you shit, it doesn't mean that they aren't giving you nothing. Please tell us a little bit more about what that means. I mean, I get well, it, but I think some people all, don't quite you know, get it. I, I apologize for that blog. That was a blog that I posted about a month ago and uh, I was in Africa. And, it hit uh, well this with guy, me. This, uh, our guide had picked up some elephant dung and he had broken it in half and he had showed that, you know, elephants only digest about 50% of what they eat. And then, you know, the, the, the elephant poop uh, actually fertilizes there are a lot of other animals that come and feed off of the seeds and stuff. You know, you got to remember, elephants eat 17 hours a day. Yeah. So, so I. <laughs> I, you know, first of all, that, out of all the blogs, and I've written over 2,000 of them, that blog got the biggest response maybe, in, maybe it, ever. It resonates. And, and because I put the word shit in there, and, and I won't do that again, um, and I apologize. It works for Gary V. I mean, it, <laughs> but, but the main thing is, is that, and I, I, was, I was, it's funny, I was just getting into this with a couple employees the other day, and I was getting pretty heated. And, and one of my employees said, you know, Brand, I understand the message, but I just don't like the way you're delivering it. And I'm like, you know something, I'm sorry that I'm a little heated. I'm sorry I'm a little hot. But from your standpoint, given the experience I have, the fact that I'm giving you this feedback, you should just focus on that. And I tell people all the time, don't focus on the delivery and all that, all that smoke and everything. Focus on the message because the only way you're going to grow is through self-analysis or through people that you trust giving you feedback. So if somebody is giving you shit, thank them. Yeah. When customers are calling me up to complain, first thing I do, Adam, thank you. Thank, thank you for these communicating Thank you for taking me. the time to complain. Because it means you mm -hmm. care. You can't complain about something you don't care about. You just let it so go. So if you're taking the time to complain to me, wow, thank you. 
that that's a blessing to me that you would take the time to even care enough to complain to me about something as opposed to just moving on and going somewhere else. I love it. That That's awesome. So let's talk about your latest book, Living on Purpose, Stories of Faith, Fortune, Fitness that will lead you to an extraordinary life. You've written a bunch of books. What was the impetus behind this one? Well, I know it's going to sound crazy, but on Amazon, you got to have balls. I have a gazillion reviews and I read every review. I read everything when people reach out to me online as well. I try to respond. I enjoy it, the interaction. I learn. Anyway, on the, and the, you got to have balls. And it really was a, from a kid to the time I became successful with that, that my last company. This one person wrote this review and said, you know, Steiner, how convenient it is for you. You grow up poor, this happens, that happens. Before you know it, you're meeting Jeter and Messier, and all of a sudden you're, you're partnered with the Yankees. How convenient your story really is. And I realized when I read that review, I probably wasn't as transparent with the dark side of it all. I, I was honest as I could be, and I, didn't, I did talk about some of it, but I probably wasn't as fulfilling on the setbacks, the negative, uh, the, the dark days. Um, and I was feeling at that time also that as successful as I was starting to have in business, that I was also feeling some lack of success in the other pillars. You know, I really realized I didn't have a whole lot of faith. I realized I probably could have been healthier, better husband and dad. And so, yeah, the pillar for success was great. And I ever thought it was going to be on the financial end, but I think on the other pillars, it was a little weak. So I wrote a book to explain not what to do, but what I did to get those other pillars to a high level and, and how I learned how to be a lot healthier, uh, how I learned how to be a better dad and husband and, and those sorts of things. Because I, I got to a certain point where I was making a lot of money and I achieved a lot that way, but I didn't feel like the other pillars were, were on the same level of growth, nor did I have the intent of figuring out, like what I said to you earlier, uh, about how to do those things better. Yet, obviously, they were important to me. Yeah, and, and that's so interesting, too, because I'm finding that now, too. Like, I'm trying to find, and I, I don't always like to use the word balance because I, I find at times I'm all in with work, I'm all in with family, but making sure that I'm, I'm at a certain level of intensity with all that I'm taking care of my health and I'm taking care of my family. So I'm learning a lot for you, and I, and I appreciate that. Something I just wanted to ask you, I, I read this while doing my research. You said, never buy a car at the start of the month. Why? Well, I, th I think when you think about all these things, and that's back in the 22 laws of negotiating on my, on my website, when you go to register the blog, you'll get all these little tips out to negotiate to get your car cheaper than you ever thought. Please, but, I'm about to buy you a know, new you car. Never buy, you yeah. never buy a car at the end of the month because guy, you know, at the beginning of the month because you want to wait till the end of the month when guys and, and salespeople and women are trying to make their number and, 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 and dealerships are trying to get rid of their cars. Same as you yeah. don't eat ballpark food. You know, you go to a baseball game, don't eat anything before the end of the second inning. Before, don't, eat, don't, eat before, don't eat before the end of the second inning. Yeah, do not order any food or any food before the end of the second inning because it's probably left over from the game before. Uh, They're not throwing that food out. Right. You know, I tell Everything's accounted for. Don't eat sushi on a Sunday night. I mean, no. was, if you're lucky, that's, that fish was delivered maybe <laughs> on Friday or probably Thursday, and it's now three, four days old. That, this, so, is li this is life advice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, these are the little things. And when you start thinking about, you know, you want to live your best life. I mean, nah, these are just some of the fun stuff. But I, you know, I'm one of those guys. That I love the fun everything. stuff. No, I love the fun stuff. So I want, I'm going to take it home here with the questions that I ask every guest because I love your perspective on it. But before we do that, um, this episode is going to air after the World Series is completed. So let's do some playoff predictions right here. Let's talk about the National League first. We have the 
Washington Nationals, who I absolutely hate, versus the St. Louis Cards in the NLDS. What's your prediction there? NLCS, sorry. I think, you know, there's nothing like uh, purpose. And uh, it's one of the reasons I wrote that book is that, you know, when you have purpose, there's really not much that can stop you uh, in perspective. And I think the Nationals have it. They have a chip on their shoulder, uh, partly because they want to show that they could do it without that big contract to Harper. The other thing is they've got, you know, two amazing pitchers that can get you through a series. I mean, Max and Strauss are incredible. And they seem very, very together and tight. Uh, they not, they, they've got experience. They've got youth. They've got pitching. They may be the most complete team. I don't know if they're going to win at all, but um, I hate to have to run into them right now. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a team that certainly uh, is going to give anybody a handful. Yeah, and I think Rendon is – yeah, and I think Rendon is one of the most underrated players in, in baseball, and he's due for a big contract this year. Now, let's flip over. Yeah, let's flip over to uh, the American League. We got incredible matchup here. We got Yankees versus Houston. I think the two best teams have made it um, to the championship series here. Now, taking your bias out of it as a Yankee fan, looking at it objectively. I think this, I think this, I think this is going to be tricky. Yeah, But I'll tell you what I think wins the series, and, and I know everybody was thinking about the pitching, but I think it's the defense, and I think Houston plays better defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, they're more solid as a team defensively. I've seen a lot of weird defensive plays with the Yankees over the season and even in the playoffs a little bit. I think defensively Houston's better, and it's probably the reason why they win it all again because they've also got really good pitching. I mean, they, uh, they, so, and they stack it. They stack their pitching in the year. They make they make adjustments on the fly. They pick up Granky, what, what good or bad about Granky, but he's a he's a performer. He's a thoroughbred pitcher. You know, they have a they have their starting four pitchers are you know, yeah. cold. But the know, defense is what extends these innings and, and it gets things kind of unraveling and, and and I think that the Yankees are more prone to make those mistakes than Houston. I'm not a big predictor. You know, obviously I'm a Yankee fan. I hate to root against my team. But my guess, and I've said this all year, is that Houston is just too buttoned up. Um, they're too they, – they remind me of the Patriots. You know, they're very – you know, they, it, it wouldn't surprise me. When I go watch them play, I, I always feel like they have a suit and tie and they bring their briefcases out onto the field. Like, they're just businesses. You know, oh, the whole – nothing really phases them. And that's – if anything else is going to help them defensively. So, I, I like them. All right. So, let's just say we got, we got Houston versus the Nationals. Who's taking it all home? Yeah, I like Houston. I mean, I like Houston. They're just too experienced, too deep, and too organized. And I think we, against the Nationals, the difference will be the home field advantage and the experience right. goes that way. I love it. So let's, let's take it home. And these are questions that I ask every guest. Succinctly, what does the word legacy mean to you? Well, it, it's, it's about your significance. It meant that you weren't just willing to, you know, if you want to have a legacy, it meant you weren't willing to just settle for success and just being a good person, but you're willing to go even above and beyond that and, and make, your, make your life work and make your, your relationships with people stick and mean something even past your existence. And that's a lot of effort and a lot of work. And I'm surprised because there's so many incredibly talented people that could go much further than just success, but it surprised me that you just stopped. And uh, most people, you know, we're all really pretty ordinary and pretty successful, but only a few of us have legacy and are extraordinary. Wow. What is the single greatest piece of advice that you've ever received that you try to take action on daily? If you use your head, you don't have to use your feet. It's one of my mother and my grandmother's favorite line. I think time management, you know, time is critical. We only on, we're only on this planet for a short time. And uh, so if you use your head, you don't have to use your feet. And I think it's really important to not waste time and not get caught up in stuff that isn't going to be a 
help you be effective and efficient even personal life or in business. So, you know, Mm -hmm. be smart with your time. And, you know, there's nothing more important than planning and strategy and and resetting and replanning and re-strategizing. Absolutely. And what, what is your superpower? What do you feel that you do better than anyone on this planet that, you know, you get that, that Superman badge on you? Um, and I think I'm super creative. I mean, I think I have a different way of looking at a lot of things, particularly business and, and certainly, uh, in these days sports. And I'm, re- I think I'm relentless. I think that I'm not afraid no matter how long the distance is to, to, to get on that, get on that road and travel as far as it will take me, uh, to get too extraordinary. Um, but I think when I look at my, my ability to promote and be creative, I, I think I'm, that's probably my strength. Excellent. I certainly appreciate that. And last but not least, when when things are, are not going so well, you know, shit's falling apart, you know, you're going through the transition with, with Steiner into that next season of your life, and you feel in your heart that things are just not going great, and, and you need to look up, you need to look above and beyond. And on the flip side, when life is going amazing, things are great, and you want to look to gratitude. Brandon Steiner, what is your North Star? You know, I'll, I'll end on this note and I'll tell you that, you know, I think that everybody's going to experience those and me included. And I think that you have to find, you have to, you have to be able to get hostile. You have to be able to get into a mindset of being the underdog. You have to remember all the people that say you can't do it. All the people that question you, all the people that don't believe in you, all the people that left you behind. And you need to kind of put those in front of you and you need to know that you're going to prove them wrong and know that they're wrong and know that you're better than that. And you need to have a little bit of a hostile environment that it's you against everyone. And there's no way and nothing that's gonna get in the way of you being able to go do what you're setting out to do. And most importantly, that most of those opinions don't really matter, but it, for, at the moment I'll let them matter because it's gonna serve me up and psych me up and get me excited. Brandon starting to thank you. Great, great talk with you. Let's keep in touch. And in closing thoughts here, almost two years ago, I was invited to attend a special event where Brandon interviewed one of my heroes, Mike Piazza. It was pretty cool, and Brandon didn't shy away from asking those tough questions like the Roger Clemens bat-throwing incident. And at the end of that event, when everyone was leaving, I saw Brandon, I don't know if you can remember this, I saw Brandon heading to the elevator by himself, and I ran to catch up with him and had a great two-minute chat on the way down and out. And I'm sure you don't remember this, maybe you do, and I wouldn't expect him to, but that moment meant so much for me because I was able to chat with someone I truly respected and admired, someone who built an empire and did it the right way and so close to me in sports. And I'm thankful that I followed my gut to chase after him uh, and dash to that elevator. And Brandon is a legend both on and off the field of business. He truly understands the value of long-term relationships and has built a career and legacy around it. He has set an example for so many, including myself. And I'm grateful that you took the time to chat with me today in my tribe share your wisdom and knowledge and i promise brandon to pay it forward brandon where could folks connect with you where could they find your books where could they catch up on everything steiner easy i mean if you go to brandonsteiner.com register for the blog or i answer everything you gotta follow me on linkedin it's not the max connections or like me on facebook and those are the three best easiest places but i'm on all the platforms instagram twitter and you know feel free to message me if you have any questions and you know, if you, if you send me an interesting message uh, on anything about any of the books, you know, sometimes I'll just send you a free book or if you have any questions about business, I'm happy to answer. I, I, I love it. I think I'm going to have to send you, you a message. I could get my book too. Brandon, thank you for joining me. I greatly appreciate it. And to everyone listening, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Please be sure to follow us on all the social media channels. I'll be linking that below.
below. Thank you for subscribing. And remember to take your online, offline. Brandon Starner, thank you for joining us. Take care and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode jam-packed with more incredible humans. For more info, please visit www.nhptalentgroup.com.